Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Asban. Here with my friend, Chavruta Aaron Gordon. Our DAP today, Masachet Yevamot, DAP, Sadi Bet, page 92. Well, we're going to get on to a new Mishnah today, but I just want to read this one piece before the Mishnah uh, that makes a very interesting distinction between, I think it's trying to explain a little bit, what exactly does a court do or what, is the, what does it mean to say the court has an opinion? So the piece of Gemara here that it's talking about is from the mission, the previous mission where it says, if she remarried with the sanction of the court, meaning there was a single witness saying that a woman's husband died, that single witness testifies before the court, determines that that single witness was good enough. And then they find out later that actually that husband was alive, right? Either by the husband showing up or by two witnesses coming saying no, actually the husband is alive, she actually needs to leave. She must leave her second husband and she cannot go back to her first husband, but she does not have to bring a korban chatas. So Amar uh, Ziiri. So Ziiri says the following. So this ruling of our Mishnah was, was not ex- accepted in light of a brisa that was taught in the study hall. Because here is the brisa that was taught. Right? And this is a very, very interesting thing. Let's say it's a Shabbat afternoon, basically, and the court ruled that the sun had already set and basically said that Shabbat was actually over. People relied on this and they started doing work on Shabbat itself. And then what happens? The sun actually comes out. Now, we know what it looks like on an overcast day. Sometimes there will be days where it's so overcast or like, it actually looks like night out. I don't know if this price is a theoretical, but the idea is, is that what happens if the baiting makes a decision that then becomes so obviously incorrect? So the example they use here is they say that Shabbat is over and then it's light out and Shabbat is actually not over. This is not an example of basically a mistaken ruling, right? But rather what we consider this is consider it to be a mistake. So in our Mishnah's case as well, when the court gave a woman permission to remarry, it's not an example of a ruling. It's not a hora'ah. Rather, it's a mistake. The court was basically, uh, one could almost say was, you know, misled or, you know, didn't have all the information. It used the information it had by the single uh, witness, right? And then, um, you know, that basically later on when, when, it was the wrong information, you know, it, it, it was basically a ta'ut. But according to this b'risa, when it labels it as enzo hora'ah, ela ta'ut, the implication of this b'risa is, is that she actually would have to bring a, uh, she actually would bring a chatas. So, um, so the question is really, what does it mean when the court says, based on this one witness, that she remarry? Is it an actual hora'ah? Is it an actual ruling? Or is it that the court basically says, okay, we have this one, you know, testimony, we're going to rely on it. Um, but if it turns out that the, you know, husband basically returned, it's a ta'ud. It's not that they actual ruling. So then we have a, a, a then Rav Nachman comes, he's going to uphold the actual Mishnah's ruling, not this price. Huh? Rav Nachman Omar Right. 
the Rav Nachman says no. When the court gives permission for her to remarry, it's actually a ruling, right? And so that's why the Mishnah, the, the Mishnah statement that the woman is exempt from machatas, you know, that's why she actually would, she is, she's exempt. But now Rav Nachman's going to explain this a little more. I'm a Rav Nachman. Know that I, you know, that, that I am basically correct, that the court's permission here is considered a ruling. That throughout the whole, the whole Torah, a single witness isn't actually believed. But here in this Mishnah, the single witness is going to be believed. My timer, what's the reason? Is it not because it's a ruling of the court? In other words, what Rav Nachman is saying is, is that actually it has to be a ruling because normally we would not expect one witness, right? But in this particular case about a woman, and it's not clear if her husband has died, the court is going to basically listen to the testimony of one witness and make a ruling based on that, and then say that the woman is allowed to remarry. Now, another Amor is going to come, Rava is going to discuss Ziri's, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, opinion that the Mishnah's ruling is actually incorrect. Amor Rava, Rava says, no, it's actually that it was a mistake. It's not that it's a Horaah. Because if a court was to rule regarding a certain type of fat or blood, that it was permitted to eat. Like, let's say the court said that there was a part of an animal's fat or blood was found in the animal, and they said that that fat and blood was allowed to be eaten and wasn't part of the prohibition of fat and blood that you're not allowed to eat according to the Torah, right? But there actually was a different reason to say that actually that fat and blood was asur, and they basically reversed their decision. Right. If they should then return and then again pronounce and say the fat or blood was permissible. Let's say they reverse it another time. And now they say, no, the fat and blood was OK. Lo We would not uh, listen to them, basically. In other words, if they go to their original, in other words, first they say it's mutar. They write, they say. And they go ahead and say it's a store. OK. And then they go back and say it's 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 mutar. Right. It's permissible. We're not going to pay any attention, basically, to that second retraction, right? Because they sort of had already uh, disproven it. And yet here, where we have a single witness who comes to testify that this woman's husband died, Sharina, and we permit her to remarry, and then two witnesses come and basically say, no, the husband's alive. And then we say, no, she was a sort of actually get remarried. She shouldn't have gotten remarried. Let's say another single witness comes and testifies that the husband died after the time that the two witnesses saw him alive. Would we permit her to remarry again? Right? Would we, we would permit her to remarry again. My time, what's the reason? Is enough first permission was actually a ta'ut. So essentially what's, what's going on here is, is they're sort of making a distinction between, and there's different, again, Rav Nachman looks at it differently, but what's a hora'ah versus what is a ta'ut, right? Is it that when we say this whole single witness, it was like an actual ruling? Or is it that, no, they made the best information they could, other information comes, and it was really just that they 
is actually uh, a, a mistake here. And so if we're going to say it's ta'ut, what we're basically saying is, is that when some when two witnesses comes to basically re- refute a single witness's testimony, what it basically just means is the rabbis made a mistake in allowing this woman to remarry based on that testimony, right? But we would never sort of allow her, right, to remarry again, you know, on the basis uh, uh in other words, then the question basically is, then would we never allow her again to remarry on the basis of another single testimony, right? But really, that's not true. We still would accept another single testimony, right? So in other words, it means it's just, it's it's a ta'ud. It was just somebody misled the court. Mistake. And, and that's it. It's not that we say now that like we don't accept single testimony anymore. Of course, we would still accept single testimony. So I just thought this was a very interesting passage that sort of, you know, is really trying to understand what is it that the court actually did here? Was it an actual ruling that the court made or is it just a mistake? They just took the information they could. They said, sure, it's OK. And then if that information gets reversed, then that's just considered to be a mistake. I'm not sure I explained this well exactly differences between the two like what what the full power of it say that it's a ruling well what struck me here was what you said you've commented on several times in the past namely bringing different areas of alecha to illuminate the area that we're at right like this took us pretty far afield yes i agree with you i think that's a great example right like they're they're basically trying to find other examples in halacha and say is it hora'ah or is it ta'ut, right? And so I think the, the the case of the son is a great example. You can't say the court made a ruling, right? Like the son had not, they can't say the sun set when it didn't set. It's a mistake. They had wrong information and they made a mistake. But Rav Nachman comes and says, no, it really is considered to be a hora'ah. So um, I, I, I see both opinions here and I understand where they both can come at, you know, come at their understanding where you could say it's hora'ah, where you could say it's ta'ut. I don't know that one side necessarily persuaded me more than the other. Okay, but uh, so I'm going to bring us back, I think now in the Mishnah, to this question of, you know, what happens when you've got the case of where we're talking about marriage and death and yibum and so on, right? Meaning that's what I meant by being far afield. Like the court making a mistake with regard to Shabbos, right, is a very big deal. But it just felt like, I don't know, like, that's an interesting thing to be talking about when we're talking about whether the husband dies in Medinatayam or whatever, right? That well, kind of thing. Well, also, the case, we see how it would happen, quite honestly. The Medinatayam one, you can see it, you know, that's how people got their information. Would it really ever be that dark that the court would say, I, I actually think that's a boundary pushing Bryce. The Bryce is sort of saying, like, if there's something that is so obvious that it can't be true, the court made a mistake. We're not going to say the court made a ruling and we accept that ruling. Right. That makes sense. Also, um, they know what the sunset time was yesterday, right? Meaning it's not going to be that. I, I'm agreeing with you, right? In terms of boundary pushing, because because you'd have to have so many dark days in a row to be confused about this. Correct. Right. So the, the case itself, I think, is not necessarily a real case. I think it's trying to say... <laughs> right? That it doesn't right, make right. sense. It doesn't make sense. We can say that the Bezdin actually got to rule here. All right. I think we're ready for our Mishnah now.
Here we go. Ha'isha she'alach ba'ala uvena le'medinat ha'yam. So now we've got a case where we have a woman whose husband and son traveled overseas, right? And uval v'amrula. And then witnesses come and they tell her, meit ba'alech v'acharkach meit b'neich. Your husband died. And then after he died, your husband, your child died. Now, leaving aside the emotional pathos here for this poor woman, the the real technical difference here, right? The reason to have that information in that way is the phenomenon of yibum is not kicking in for her, right? Because the husband died with having having fathered children, right? So as opposed to the child having died and then the husband dies and now they, the couple would have had no children for X amount of time before he died. Um, so what happens if she she then gets married, meaning to somebody else, and then the witnesses say, oops, we made a mistake. Really, the son died, and then your husband died. Meaning, if the child died first, then there's a requirement for Yibum. And in the meantime, she's married this other guy who has no connection to this family, right? It's obviously not Eshet Ach. It, it, it's... Um, how do we say this? The brother of the brother, right? She didn't marry the, her dead husband's brother because that would have been prohibited, right? Except for in the case of Yibum, but there's no need for Yibum. So she married somebody else. And now, lo and behold, in retrospect, it turns out that there's a need for Yibum. Um, so she has to leave the marriage to the second husband. Vavlad Rishon Vacharon Mamzer. So this is a little bit tricky, but the issue is that the first child, meaning a child who's born meaning this um, that would be that child would be a mamzer. And then once they know, in fact, who really died first, then also that child's going to be a mamzer. The friend's going to talk about this a little bit, but the bottom line is, meaning the moment she's married to this man who is not the Yib- the moment she's married to somebody who is not going to be the Yavam because she thought she didn't need a Yavam and only later discovers that she does need a Yavam, everything that has happened from that moment of marriage is very, very messy, right? And and it counts as this kind of like, it, it's not an issue. It, well, it's not the same situation as the husband who went to Medinatayam and died. And now there's a question of, of you know, is she still married to him? because he turns out to be alive. In this case, the question is, was she eligible to marry anybody else? Not because she's not a widow, but because she is zakukli yubum. She requires the yavam to come. Amrula, meit banech v'acharkach meit balech. If they said to her, they initially said to her, your child died, and then your husband died, v'nit yavmah, and now she, you know, in fact, undergoes yibum. She is with the dead husband's brother. Oops, we made a mistake. And really, that's the child died second. The husband died first. Now she has to leave that case of Yibum, okay, which is, you know, again, going to be a complicated situation. And again, the child, if she's had a child with the Yavam, then those children are going to, again, be considered Mamzer. Amrula they said to her, "Meit balech v'nisait v'acharkach amrula kayam haya v'meit teitzei." If they said to her, "Your husband died," and she gets married, and then they say, "No, he was alive at the time of your marriage, but then he died," she still has to leave the second husband. Vavlad rishon mamzer v'acharon eno mamzer. 
But in that case, the first child, meaning the child who was born at the time that the original husband was still alive, is considered there. And if there's a child who was born after his death, then that last child would not be considered a mamzer because uh, maybe her marriage isn't quite a marriage yet, um, right, in terms of timing, but the child can't be a mamzer because she's not married at the time, she's a widow. Amrula, made balech, v'nit kadsha, v'achar kach ba'ala, muteret lachzorlo. If they said to her, your husband died, and then she gets betrothed to somebody else. She hasn't yet married him. They haven't had Nisuin, only Kiddushin. And then, lo and behold, the husband comes, right? Meaning he's not dead. And so what happens? She can go back to the original husband. Because they haven't had Nisuin. And then even though she gets a get from the from the husband, from the, the betrothed guy, the guy who has betrothed her, She'll get a bill of divorce, but it's not really a bill of divorce. It's not going to have effect. It doesn't mean that she couldn't marry a Kohen if the um, the original husband would then die. She could still marry a Kohen. Because again, they, it, it's a, it's a, I don't know what, it's just, it's kind of like a, just to make sure that everything is on the up and up as opposed to being a real need for a divorce. Because otherwise you, the question is, you know, does, this, does that Kiddushin count at all? And on this, this is the point that Rebbe Lezer ben Matya taught, namely, specifically about Kohanim, that they do not take, a, they cannot marry a woman who is divorced from her husband. But below, but not if she gets divorced from somebody who's not her husband, which of course is a, a comical phrasing, because how could she possibly get divorced from anybody who's not her husband? And the answer is, here's the case where she could get divorced from somebody who's not her husband, meaning they can, um, she gets divorced from the betrothal that doesn't ever go into effect because the husband comes back alive, basically. Um, okay, these are a whole bunch of messy cases. Um, I think that they are plausible possible cases as opposed to envelope pushing cases um, because I think that this is the kind of thing that you know somebody disappears off the face of the earth you think that you know you think you have testimony things change the details are not clear and again we've talked about this many times already but it was a very different kind of world in, in terms of the speed and reliability of communication I don't know about how reliable communication always is nowadays but you can at least check up on something before too much time has passed, right? In terms of having, we're talking about situations where she, the woman may have born more than one child before she gets a, a new report, right? Um, just quickly in the Gemara, it says here, my Rishon, my Acharon. What do we, the Gemara keeps talking about the first child and the last child in terms of, you know, and then they're both gonna, they're all gonna be mom's here, depending, except for that last case. So if we're gonna say that, the Rishon, the first one, simply means before they got the the second um, information, right? The report, the information that the report was wrong, and the Acharon, and Acharon means afterwards. Then why not just say the Vlad Mamzer? Why would you have to specify the first and the and the last? So the Gemara explains Mishum de Kavayla mitne Seifa Amrula made Balech v'ni Seifa Harkach Amrula Kayam Hayav Umeit Harishon Mamzer Acharon Eno Mamzer. So the Gemara says, well, because of that last case where the if the husband dies in between, like the husband was alive at the time that she marries another person, but then he dies, 
and then the last child born after his death would not be a mamzer. That's why they're to to make the parallel go all the way back through the Mishnah. It specifies acharon rishon and acharon tanya nami rishon rishon vacharon mamzer. So that's why it spells it out that way. The language itself is not necessary as much for the teaching as much to have the parallel language throughout the Mishnah, which I'm sure that helped with memorization. I'm sure that helped to remember each case, right? In each case, you're talking about, you know, you have a Rishon and you have an Acharon. And so then um, when the case is actually different, namely the last one, you're already set up and ready to go to specify that the last one is going to be different. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This Mishnah was sad to me. Like, really, the kid is going to be a mom's heir? But I guess from a technical point of view, the child would have to be a mom's heir, even though it's really, truly a mistake. I, I don't know. I'm, like, surprised the Gemara doesn't, like, the Halakha wants to fall out this way. Um, I don't know if there's an alternative yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, once you have the status, once you have the category of mamzer, how would you get out of it, even if it was a mistake? But I don't know. I'm just surprised they don't still try to get out of it. I'm agreeing. I, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know that you can. Now, in the actual, in the case of an actual in the case of an actual case before the baiting, there might be ways to maneuver it. But, right. you know, that's that's already going to have to be like dependent on. I don't know. I, I what like he should have sent me. Maybe he had a get al tonight that he didn't come back in time. You know, like there's we can make the case be less problematic. But in the purest form, I think I think that's what happens. That's that's the situation. The moms there is never being a mom's there is never the mom's there's fault. Right. It's always because of the parents. That's true. That 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 is a fair point to make. So I, I guess I'm just I don't know. I'm struggling with the halakhic category of mamzer. Um, and you know, I don't think you're the first. I don't think I'm you'll be the first. last. <laughs> I don't think I'll be the last. That is for. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about the stuff on our Talking Time with Facebook page. Tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.